Why don't you go ahead and just pull this up and focus this in right in here if you can. Boy, I got brand new glasses. I can see everybody now. I'll tell you, they don't make glasses like they used to, you know. We're talking about uh, the Godhead. This is something that is extremely important for us uh, to understand. Jesus says in John eight twenty four, Except ye believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. And uh, what we believe about the Lord is extremely important. Extremely important. Now, this was compiled by Brother C.P. Kilgore. Brother C.P. Kilgore is a real pioneer minister, or was. Uh, he, I think, uh, passed away in the, in the 50s. But Brother C.P. Kilgore held great revivals in Oklahoma and northeast and west Texas uh, right after the turn of the century. And he put this together. He had a great revelation of who <clears throat> Jesus Christ is. Now, last week we just talked in general terms. God is a spirit. There is but one God. And Jesus is God. You have the handout. Uh, so you can you see on this. And Jesus is man. Last week we talked about Jesus being God and Jesus being man, just in general terms. So, But we're going to spend a few weeks talking about this. Tonight, we're going to talk about there is but one God. <clears throat> now, the reason why that I want to talk about this is because uh, this is something that you need to understand before uh, you really get into the detailed uh, scriptures dealing with various aspects of the one God. Now, what I'd like to do is take the one transparency off, if you would, and let me explain the two basic uh, <clears throat> doctrines that are taught in our world relative to the Godhead. Uh, this is the position that we take here at Calvary Gospel Church. We believe in the oneness, <clears throat> basically, concerning the Godhead, that there is one God. Uh, this God is spirit because <clears throat> the Bible tells us that God is spirit and manifests himself in flesh, which was the Son of God. One spirit and one flesh. Uh, somebody's going to have to stay up here with this if you can. Sister Debbie, if you just uh, pull that up a little bit so we can see. Pull it way on up. All right. One spirit and one flesh, according to Ephesians 4.4. 4. Now, you have the Scriptures shown, and you also have them on your handout. And I'm going to be asking you, if you would, to turn and read these Scriptures. So somebody read Ephesians 4.4. 4. Would you do that? <coughs> Ephesians 4.4. 4. And our guests who are here, we certainly welcome you to travel along in this venture through Scripture with us. I think you'll find it to be very enjoyable. Okay, Sister Rowe has it. Ephesians 4, verse 4. All right. Now, there's one body. Now, there's a debate about whether this is talking about the Godhead or not, but uh, some people say, well, it's talking about the body of Christ. But on the, on the other hand, 
uh, regardless of what it's talking about, uh, the body of Christ on the earth is paralleled to God Himself, that God had one body, and also that He had one spirit. So there's one spirit, and there's one flesh, and that flesh was known as the Son of Man, or the Son of God, or Jesus Christ, that this one spirit manifested itself and became visible to man through Jesus Christ. Now the Bible tells us the spirit and the flesh became one, according to John 10, verse 30. So someone would read that for me. Uh, you might just want to look at these scriptures, look up these scriptures a little ahead of time. This will save a little time. We've got a lot of scriptures to look at. So John 10, 30, if, if someone would stand and read this for me. Okay, Sister Melanie. All right, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. In other words, the Spirit... Speaking of the Father, and the flesh became one, according to John 10.30. Now, Jesus was in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus, according to John 14.10. We'll explain that after we read the Scripture. So, would someone take and turn there, and let's read this Scripture. John 14.10. All right, who has it? Okay, Brother Jim Derber. All right, did you hear what he said? Read it again, Brother Derber. Stand up, and let's catch, catch the first part of it. All right, this is what I want you to hear. Jesus said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. All right? Brother Showalter sure preached a beautiful message on the one this Sunday morning, didn't he? If you didn't get his tape, and you're interested in... In the Godhead, this was an outstanding tape. He preached it in an evangelistic way, one of the most evangelistic ways that I've ever heard the Godhead preached. But he did a powerfully good job. All right, Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. And I'd like to explain it like this. So if Sister uh, Repka would take this. <clears throat> now the Bible tells us in Colossians 2.9, that the fullness of God or completeness of God <coughs> was in Jesus Christ. So if somebody would take and read that, would you do that? We've got a lot of scriptures. This is a study, so you can expect it. Uh, some of you folks way back in the back, if you want to stand up. It's just as hard for the people on the front to hear you as it is for you to hear the people on the front. So read loudly if you're close to, the, to either end. Okay, Sister Chris, way back in the back. I'm at uh, way up here in the front. <laughs> read this and read it loudly. All right. In Jesus Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, <clears throat> it is very important for us to understand that when it says that in Christ Jesus dwelt all the fullness. Now, when it speaks of fullness, it does not mean that all of God, as far as quantity is concerned because God covers the universe 
And all of God, as far as volume is concerned, was not in Christ Jesus. But the essence of God, the quality of God, was in Christ Jesus. All right? Now the example of this, and and pull this up a little bit if you would. This is an example of, of an iceberg. And of course, uh, John 14.10, Jesus was in the Father, and the Father was in Jesus. It's similar to this. In other words... Ice is no more than H2O. That's two parts of hydrogen, one part of oxygen. That's what makes up water. But ice is a different form, isn't it? We'd consider it a solid form of water. And so when you look at this and you see the gigantic ocean, the ocean is all H2O. Uh, Ocean, uh, salt water has other minerals in it, but, but basically... We say it's water, okay? Now, what the Scripture is saying is that, that well, let's first talk about this, and then we'll, that the ice, is, the ice is in the water, yet the water is in the ice. That's where it came from. It's just a different form. And basically, this is what Jesus was saying when He says, I am in the Father. The Father is everywhere, but yet the Father is in me. See? To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. And so, as a result, the ice is in the ocean, yet the ocean is in the ice. Alright? Just uh, go up a little higher. The ice is in the ocean, yet the ocean is in the ice. The invisible God becomes visible. Now, there are scriptures that deal with this, but we'll not be able to cover all these scriptures tonight. Basically, we're talking about God is one. And we want to cover those scriptures, and we'll get into some of these other scriptures later on. Now, not all of God was in Christ, but the fullness of God. That simply means not all quantity, but all quality was in Jesus Christ. That when we see Jesus Christ, we certainly see God. We see God, even though God is invisible. He becomes visible through the flesh and blood body that He prepared. All right, you want to take this off and let's go back to the one transparency about the oneness. All right. So basically, this is what the Bible teaches concerning the Godhead. That the invisible God, which was spirit that dwells everywhere, was in Christ Jesus. And yet Jesus Christ was in the invisible spirit. Naturally, Jesus Christ could not be everywhere because He was a man. I mentioned last week the problem that people have with the Godhead when they read the Scripture is this, that some people only see Jesus Christ as a man. And you will find that this is, this is a... When you read the Scripture, if you only see one side of Jesus Christ, your interpretation of the Godhead will be an error. In other words, if you only read scriptures that deal with Jesus Christ as a man and stop there, you will not receive the revelation of who God is or who Jesus Christ is. And yet, on the other hand, if you only read scriptures that deal with his divinity and you see him healing, forgiving sins, calming the seas and such, and you see only that side, you miss out. On the other aspect of God, quite frankly, some oneness people 
that I have personally talked to, they, they miss out on Jesus Christ from the standpoint of Him being the Son of God. When we say Son of God, He was begotten, that is, the body was. That's how it got here. It didn't drop out of heaven by some stork or something that uh, just dropped Him in a manger. And he came, he came out of God like that. That's, the Bible says He came out of God, but that's not how He got here. The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and she conceived and brought forth a son. All right? But the Bible teaches only one God, all right? What I'd like for you to do, Sister Repka, if you would, is put, put the other uh, transparency up, and I happen to have this. Oh, I'm about to lose some. I've got so many things here. In fact, I have one full notebook inside of the pulpit. I came all prepared in case for some reason we had a great move of the Lord and you decided you wanted to stay all night. <laughs> all right. I'd say that if I said, let's play ping pong all night and order pizza, how many of you like to stay? We'd have a lot of hands raised, wouldn't we? <clears throat> Sister Jeanette said, not me reason why she likes pies and cakes. You can't sell her own pizza, you know. <clears throat> All right. Now, the Godhead, according to Trinitarians, this is the other school of thought. You have the school of thought of the oneness people that believe that there's one body and one spirit and that this is the essence of God. And then, of course, others that believe that there are three divine, distinct Individual persons in the Godhead. Now, Job 13, 8 says, Will you accept his person? Will you contend for God? Job 13, 10 says, For God will surely reprove you if you do secretly accept persons. Now, the reason why I pointed this out, God did not exist as a person in the Old Testament per se. But if someone came up and asked me if God was a person before Bethlehem, I'd have to ask them what they meant by person. Because sometimes we, when we use the word person, we're talking about personality. That God did have personality separate and apart from Jesus Christ. In other words, he had personality before he took on the form of a man. You follow what I'm saying? So if you mean person from the standpoint of personality, uh, yes, he did. But if you notice <coughs> that the Bible tells us that, that God will secretly reprove you, or He will reprove you, pardon me, if you do to secretly accept persons. That even if you're talking about personality, that, that, uh, that it, it just doesn't work out when you look for a plurality in God. Now, <coughs> this doctrine was adopted by the Nicene Council in 325 A.D. This was about the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church. Constantine united the church and the state. At the same time, they adopted a doctrine that was partly Old Testament law, partly Christianity, and partly paganism. And the problem that we find in the pagan world is that for the most part, they all believe in many, many gods. Many gods. Uh, when the Israeli people backslid, they began to believe in more than one god. 
When great revival came and they came back, they believed in one God. Now the Trinitarian doctrine per se goes like this. It was established back at the Nicene Council. And of course, many churches have this incorporated in the Articles of Faith. And you may find it to read differently, but for the most part they agree with this. That God consists of three persons, three divine distinct individuals, each being co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. I have in my presence some of the ancient creeds, the Apostles' Creed, uh, and, and several of them. And you will find that a lot of these get involved in this. The Apostles' Creed did not come from the Apostles, but what the... the uh, 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 Catholic Church interpreted as the belief of the apostles. Uh, prior to 325, there wasn't much question about uh, the Godhead. If you look in the Scripture, uh, there wasn't a big question about this. When Jesus was here, He was interested, natural, in what the, His uh, apostles thought of Him. For this reason, Peter received the keys to the kingdom of heaven because according to Matthew 16, he was the first one to receive the revelation, or as I say, the first one to receive the revelation. He was at least the first one to verbalize the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Uh, well, one of the apostles said, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. Jesus said, but whom do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Bible says that Jesus looked unto him and said, Simon, Barjona, flesh and blood, hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He hath revealed it unto thee. Because of this, now I'm kind of ad-libbing as I go along here. Because of this, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you preach on earth, well, whatsoever you bind on earth, pardon me, would be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. If you go to Acts, the second chapter, you'll find that Peter spends a lot of that chapter talking about who Jesus Christ really was. And he placed the blame squarely upon the religious world for putting the Lord of glory to death. All right? <clears throat> now, because of the plurality of gods that's taught, that was taught, I feel, in the pagan world, uh, that this also infiltrated into Christianity, because it's certainly not a teaching of the Scripture. Now, I know that if we had a dozen ministers in here, uh, not of our faith, you'd probably say, oh, but it is a teaching of the Scripture. Uh, that th This is the way the, teachers, the teacher, this is the way the Scripture teaches I'd like to just point out some, some things. Okay, they believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, each being co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. If you ask a Trinitarian, what do you mean by God the Father? Most of them will say, well, that was the, the Spirit that was always here that was responsible for everything else. Now, what do you mean everything else? You're talking about God the Son? Now, I want to point out something. Keep in mind that this 
term does not appear in the whole Bible, God the Son. See? The Jews sought to kill him because he, being a man, maketh himself God. They call that, they call that blasphemy. You see, the whole point of it is that, and this is what they pointed out, man does not have the ability to become God. So we're going to kill him. But let me ask you this. Does God have the ability to become man? See, that's what they didn't see. Because they looked at Jesus and they said, Is not this Jesus, this is found in Mark the 6th chapter, the son of Joseph the carpenter, and Mary his mother, and are not these his brothers and sisters? Of course, the Catholic Church teaches in the Holy Virgin Mary that, that Mary really never had relationship with anyone, but she not only had relationship with her husband Joseph after she gave birth to Jesus, but she also had other children, the Bible tells us. Calls them by name. Read Mark 6, 1 through 4, and you'll find that out. It's right there in the Scriptures. See? Now, <clears throat> if this person is responsible for everything else, then obviously this person preceded the other two. But now we can't say that because that defies the the definition of the Trinitarian, each being co-equal, co-existent. Okay? And co-eternal, co-equal. That simply means that everything that this one has, this one has, and this one has, this is the reason why they put a body. This is the reason why they classify them as persons. Because by mere definition, when you say co-equal, they have to be that way. But you see, this this particular line of thought brings up many questions as far as Scripture is concerned, and Scripture must really contradict itself. For an example, we just read last week where Jesus Christ, in the book of Revelation, is called the Almighty. That means all-powerful. Now, if He is all-powerful, that means there's nothing higher than Him. Well, you say then all three can be all-powerful, but then that is a contradiction of definition. Because when you say all-powerful, it not only carries the idea of having all power, but it means He is above and beyond all other sources of power. That would be like saying that Brother Rutherford is the most best preacher. It's just one best, so just let it go at that. In other words, what you're doing, you're making a whole bunch of people the best, but you're making him the most best. Well, see, that's that's defiance of English grammar. In other words, he's either the best or he's not the best. And Jesus Christ is either the Almighty or He is not the Almighty. Now, He was not the Almighty when you look at His flesh. But there was more to Jesus Christ than just flesh. 
Now, <clears throat> then we look at the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Did the Holy Ghost have a body? And by the way, if this is the Son of God, then who was the Father of Jesus Christ? The Bible says it was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary. Now, when you begin to read the Scripture, and now most people don't really believe this, but most people's pastors believe this. I have actually talked to several pastors that said when you get to heaven, there's going to be three chairs there, and there's going to be three men sitting in heaven. That's God. But, but you see, what you're doing when you say there, that there are three divine, distinct persons, you're actually saying there are three gods. Because if you eliminate these two, You just you have this one. Is this one able to exist without the others? He must be God if he is. If he's the self-existing one. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to conversion, for an example, the Bible tells us that uh, that God will give the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. In the New Testament, uh, from the book of Acts on, you find a lot about the Holy Ghost. All right? But then Christians that believe in the Trinity constantly use this particular line. They say, well, I accepted Christ into my life. Well, naturally, no, no body crawled inside of your heart. It's all we're talking about, the Spirit of Christ in our heart. must be right because according to Galatians 6, you know, that's right. The Spirit of Christ, Christ from our heart, Abba, Father. Okay? And then they say, well, we received the Holy Ghost. Now let me ask you, did you get two spirits or just one? You follow what I'm saying? See, all of this has many, many, many contradictions. Just many contradictions. And the truth of the matter is, when you get into this, the further you get into it, the more you understand that they're not talking about one God consisting of three persons, but they're actually talking about three gods. Now let me just explain something. Do you think the Old Testament Jews had a full knowledge of God? As God existed. They obviously did. And God went to great means to explain this to them. In other words, they fully understood God without much knowledge of any of this. Why? Because this is the way God was before Bethlehem. They fully understood that. And you see, when the Scripture says in the book of Revelation that there's one that's set up upon the throne... You see, if God is everywhere, absolutely everywhere, he is, His Spirit is everywhere, Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, then when Jesus Christ sits down upon the throne in the book of Revelation and it 
plainly states that he does. He sits down upon the throne. It is considered on it is considered as far as position the right hand of God by Trinitarians. And whenever I say position, they're talking about on the right side. Like one man said this past week, he said, I had a vision, I thought it was, of God. And the scripture came to me that said that Jesus Christ was on the right hand of God. However, he said, when I got to thinking about it, he wasn't on the right hand, he was on the left side. When I saw him. (laughs) So he said, I'm real confused about this. But if you really look about look at this, it's not talking about a geographical position, but it's talking about a position of authority. That the right hand is saying that Jesus Christ is the symbol and the authority of Almighty God. And when Jesus Christ sat down upon the throne, He didn't sit in somebody's lap because the Spirit is everywhere. That the body that was prepared by God, that was made a woman, according to the book of Galatians, that body housed Almighty God, that body died. God did not die. The, the Son of God died. Now the Trinitarian said God the Son died. Oh, wait a minute. God can't die. It was the Son of God that died, not God the Son. You see the difference? Now let me ask you another question before we go on. If they were co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal, all the aspects of one applied to the other. When Jesus Christ was born of Mary, He was in a tiny baby form. Now, when he was in heaven, he obviously had a bodily form if he was co-equal. I'm talking about according to the Trinitarians. Now, I wonder what he did with his body. Did they just take and throw it away? Did he shrink it down? No, he was not in bodily form before. So when you, the deeper you look into this the more contradictory it becomes. Now what we want to do tonight then, we just want to talk about there is but one God. So if you'd like to take this off, Sister Debbie, we'll start our little Bible search. We have about a dozen scriptures, uh, more or less, but close to this. So what I'd like for someone to do, I'd, I'd like for them to read Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. And you can put this up, and you can just accent this one corner right here, if you'd like, and pull that back it's a little bit further, and, and enlarge it so that people who do not have a, a transparent, you've got to pull it, that's it, bend, bend it down some. <clears throat> okay, this is what we're talking about here. There is but one God. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. All right, who has this? And who would like to stand and read it? Praise God. All right. Get these scriptures. Does anyone have it? Brother Rossing has it. 
He wants to read it for us. Listen to this carefully. All right, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, not only did God want them to understand that, He also went to a great degree in instructing them as to how they should never forget it and that this thing should be taught to their children and to their children's children from that day henceforth. When Jesus was here... He spoke of this very same scripture in Mark the 12th chapter, verse 28 through 34. We may be too far away. You may not be able to see this, but we do have extra leaflets. Do we pass them all out? or If not, we do have leaflets. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Okay, Brother Burry, read this for us, okay? Mark 12, 28 through 34. All right, the scribe had this to say. What did the scribe say? He said, there is one God, and there is none other but He. You notice the word He is there, and I know that people constantly refer to Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our own image. We'll cover that in (coughs) this particular study. I don't care to deal with it tonight because it will just take a little bit more time than what uh, I want to take because we have other uh, another uh, avenue that we're traveling now. But it's strange to me that Trinitarians would dig up one or two scriptures out of the Bible and say, oh, you know, <clears throat> we have plurality. It says us instead of Him. And yet the hundreds... And hundreds of Scripture, Scriptures that are found that refer to God as He, singular. Now there is a reason for that, and we'll be discussing that a little bit later on. So, Malachi 2.10, let's go there quickly. Malachi 2.10, who has that? Okay, Sister Manley has it.
All right, have we not all one Father? This is talking about one God. You know, also the Scripture tells us that Jesus is our Father. But nevertheless, this talks about being one God. Okay, Isaiah is a book that really gets into the one God message. Let's turn to Isaiah 44, verse 6 through 8. Someone read that. All right, Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Sister Carolyn Thorpe. This says that, that God is the first and the last, and besides Him, there is none other. Now put this one transparency back on about the Trinity. Let me just point out something here. Now, <clears throat> if, <clears throat> it's a little out of focus because of where she has this located now, but uh, if in the event the Trinitarian doctrine is correct, When you read the Old Testament, which one of these do you think was talking? Which one? Well, obviously, if the Jews didn't know these, must have been this one. And I suppose that's the reason why that people brand this one as being the Father. And by definition, it would have to be that one because, I mean, you couldn't... You couldn't hear the Son, if He's separate and apart from God, saying, I'm the first and the last, could you? I mean, if you believed in this. But the whole problem is, if they're co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal, this one could not say, I'm the first. And this one couldn't say I'm the last because that defies the definition of co-existent and co-eternal. But Jesus comes along and says, I am Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And the reason why he can say it, put the oneness transparency up, it's because the words Jesus said that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of God that sent me. Praise God. <clears throat> so he could speak on the behalf of the one Spirit that created everything and will always be. And there will never be another Spirit. Praise God. All right. Let's go back to our transparency. All right. We were on Isaiah 44, verse 6 and 8. Let's go to Isaiah 45, verse 2 through 6, and then verse 23. And who has that? And would you stand and read that? Brother Jim Derber. 
All right. And did you read verse 23? All right. And then verse 23. All right, notice verse 23. Now God is establishing to the household of Israel, once again, there is one God, and besides Him there is none other. And, of course, He is also called the Lord. Now you notice what happens here in verse 23. He said, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. Now they didn't have a huddle up in heaven. to find out what they're going to do. Uh, God existed alone, and He has sworn by Himself, the Bible says. The Word of God, God has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. But now if you read Romans 14, 11, and Philippians 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul obviously had a great revelation of who Jesus Christ was because in both accounts he quotes from Isaiah 45, verse 23, and attributes this, that to Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So let's just turn there and read those two scriptures, Romans 14, 11. <coughs> Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad you know Him? Oh, I'm so glad I know who Jesus Christ is. Okay, who has this? Sister Cindy. All right, now read the Scriptures around that. You'll find out He's talking about Jesus Christ. All right, now let's go to Philippians 2, verse 10. When it says, For it is written... That's what he's quoting from, Isaiah 45, verse 23. Okay, who has this? Philippians 2, 11. Okay, Sister Seidel has it. Eleven. Okay, read verse 10. Okay, read verse 10 and 11, okay? All right, so Paul takes this same scripture and calls the name of Jesus Christ, that that's who we will bow to. All right, now that doesn't mean we won't bow to God, because God was in Christ. All right, let's go on, okay? Let's read Isaiah 46, verse 8 and 9. Isaiah 46, 8 and 9. We're going to have to hurry up, because our time is running out. All right, who has this? Brother Jeff Baum.
All right. All right. Great. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, verse 8, 4 through 6. Okay, Brother Glenn Uselman, read this for us. Okay, one God, and then it says also there's only one Lord. Now, I heard a, a teaching, and this, this came from a Trinitarian minister. It says there was a God of the Lord of the Old Testament and a Lord of the New Testament. There was a God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. This is a contradiction of Scripture. All right, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 5 and 6. Okay, Brother Rick Wells. We have God in us. When we have God in us, who do we have in us? We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when we speak of one, they're synonymous in terms, or synonymous rather in word, in many cases. Now there are scriptures that bear out uh, the two different positions in which God held. One as the Son, and one as the Father. But don't confuse this with the fact that the Bible teaches that there's only one God. All right, 1 Timothy 2.5. Okay, Sister Sue Wittenbach has this. I like for you to have these scriptures ready like this. All right, last week we talked about the man, and we'll be picking this up again. There is one God... One God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. All right, James 2.19, Brother Dan Capaccio. And why do you think the devil believes there's one God? Because he used to be in heaven. <clears throat> if, if somehow you could call him to the witness stand to say what he saw up there, I'm pretty sure he would say, well, there's only one God up there. I used to be there. Revelation 4, verse 2 and verse 3. All right, who has this one? Brother Thomas, would you read this one for us? All right, basically what we're establishing here in this tonight is that there's one that sits on the throne. Praise God. One that sits on the throne. Praise God. When you get to heaven, there'll be one on the throne. There won't be two or three or four or five or six or whatever. <clears throat> Remember when I was a kid, there's one God. And then a song entitled One God. One God, 
One God is sufficient for me, for me. There's one God. I don't have the tune right, do I? God is sufficient for me. Now there's a verse that goes with it. How does that go, Chris? You know that? <clears throat> you got to think of what. Does anybody know the verse of that? Okay, Mike Sandin. Stand up. He says he doesn't, okay? <clears throat> How does that go, Brother Mike? I know it has something to do up in, in heaven. They say there will be three. Uh, I wish I knew the. It's a simple little thing. If I'd have, if I'd have thought about it later, I, I say later, earlier. <laughs> I thought about it later, yes. <laughs> if I'd have thought about it earlier, I would have gotten the words for it. <clears throat> Praise God. One, one song we haven't sung in a long time, and it just talks about one way to go to heaven. There's one God and one way to go to heaven. One, 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 one way to God. <clears throat> I like that. We haven't sung in a long time. Praise God. I'd like for Sister Sue to come if she would. Wish we had more time, but it's 9 o'clock in our class. It's time for them to come back in here. Praise God. We're going to be studying next week from this, so keep your, keep your study guide. Put it in your Bible. The truth of the matter is it's something you need to keep in your Bible all the time. Yeah, one, 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 one way to God. Do we have it... Uh, we have a transparency on it. Boy, we were prepared tonight, and we just dumped all the transparencies in the floor. <coughs> Sorry about that, Sister Debbie. You don't have to worry about the transparency. <laughs> in Jesus' name. One, 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 only one way to God. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. One, 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 only one way to God. Baptized in Jesus' name. Now listen to this. John 3, 5, only one way to God. John 3, 5, only one way to God. John 3, 5, only one way to God. Baptized in Jesus' name. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. No, there's one, 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 only one way to God, baptized in Jesus' name. Hold it just a minute, you know. Something I want to point out, there's a lot going on in our world today about cults. This little Waco thing. I remember doing some studying uh, probably ten years ago, and I checked out of the Public library, a lot of materials about cults. Then I ordered a couple of uh, films. That's before videos came along, so there were films, and they're talking about cults. <clears throat> One conclusion that most people who've studied cults uh, come to, and that is that in order to identify a cult, the first thing you do, you look for, is you find out where Jesus Christ fits in the sphere of their 
theology. Now this is what they point out. The closer that Jesus Christ is to the center, the less likely they are to be cultish. But the further that Jesus Christ goes out to the periphery or to the perimeter, the more likely they are to be cultish. Now, if I'm understanding what they're saying correctly, that even some people who put more emphasis on the Virgin Mary than Jesus Christ might be borderlining on being cultish. Because this little Waco thing, that guy thinks he's Jesus Christ, and he probably thinks he's in the center of the circle too. <clears throat> but if my studies are correct, put this one transparency back up. You still have it. On one God. I'm a part of the wheel of prophecy. Okay. You see this right here? This is where we believe Jesus is. Right here. Jesus Christ, by definition, means Jehovah has become our Savior. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. I know there's one, 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 only one way to God. Baptized in Jesus' name.